Hi, everyone. Welcome to Hosted. This is the show that we get to turn the tables a bit. Hosts who are usually on the other side of the mic asking all the questions come on to Hosted and get to share all of their podcasting journey secrets and a little bit about themselves that they may not have an opportunity to share with their listeners on a regular basis. So today, I'm really excited. It's going to be a little bit different of an interview because I have Dr. Tom Tonkin. He is the founder and CEO of Sales Conservatory, also the host of the Performance.show. And don't go looking for the show because it's not there yet. And that's what we're going to talk about today is the idea behind the show that's a little different than how a host would typically think about and produce a podcast. So welcome to Hosted, Tom. Randy, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, always, <laughs> we always seem to uh, to come up with interesting topics. And once again, you've done that. So I look forward to blindly answering the questions that you're going to throw in. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny, Tom, you actually have been on You've been on 20 podcasts, other yeah. folks' podcasts. Is that yeah. correct? That number is I have, and, I have. I think and I'm counting. 20, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, you know, like I guess I do about what, two or three a, a month. And, and then they come out at different times. And which, by the way, is influenced me on the show that I'm about to, to, to publish. So I'd be interesting to get into that discussion. Yeah, I would love to dig into that. And, um, and so, you know, as I queued up in the beginning of this conversation, the performance.show, if folks that are listening go and and search for it on iTunes, it's not there yet because it's being built. And give us a little bit of, of context and background into just into your work and what inspired the way that you're going to be rolling out this show. So what's interesting is my my sort of trade or heritage, whatever you want to call it, is is that of a a, a researcher. So as a PhD, you, you end up doing that, but I, I probably do it more so than most. And I bring academic rigor into the business world. It's kind of sort of that tagline. And one of the things that I learned uh, going through all these podcasts as a guest is a lot of the, the podcasters, uh, hosts, if you will, have pre-made questions and, 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 and to sort of move the conversation along. And, and I appreciate that. Yet, as a researcher, guess what? From a qualitative perspective, that's exactly what we do. We have a research question, and then what we do is we put together what's called a, uh, a research or interview protocol. And basically, it's six to eight open-ended questions that we're going to ask all of the people that are participating in uh, the research. And then what happens is you do a qualitative statistic voodoo magic kind of thing, and you end up with some very interesting findings. So as, an, as I experienced this, I thought, you know something, with just a little bit of a tweak, we can turn these interviews into qualitative research interviews and get some data that actually might be meaningful to the audience. And that was kind of the genesis of the uh, of the project, uh, the uh, the performance show, which, by the way, it's the performance show. But 
we're, we we we're we're playing games with the uh, URL and we're using the show um, what is it suffix dot show uh, uh, so that's where you'll be. As a matter of fact, I think the website is up and it's you know it's got one of these coming soon with our logo kind of thing. Great. Um, but anyway, so th- that's kind of how we got to it, is a little bit of the experience as a as a guest uh, combined with my experience as a qualitative researcher thinking. With just a little more effort, we might be able to get some really interesting insight. Yeah. So, you know, for this this first, are you are you kind of breaking it out into seasons then? So this first season, uh, are you sharing what the topic is with with yes. folks? Yeah. So one of the interesting things is, like Brandy mentioned, is don't go looking for it because we haven't published it. And I'll tell you why we haven't published it. I don't want any of our potential guests to listen. Yeah to it. And, the, and and that's very important from a sort of a preservation of the rigor of the research, because then, you know, people start pre-answering the questions before they get on there. They don't give you your gut reaction. They try to smooth it out. They try to be what's called in the research world, socially desirable. Yeah. Right? They want to give you the quote unquote right answer. Uh, and we don't want that, right? We want the real raw kind of thing. And so that's why we're not publishing anything until we're done uh, with the study. and But we do provide the one, what's called the research question, which I'll, I'll provide here. So in season one, the first research question is, how did you get to your first leadership position in sales? Okay. So this is specifically to sales because that's what I'm focusing on. But how did you get your first sales leadership position? And then there's six to eight questions behind that that allow us to dig, dig in deep. Um, and again, not to make it so sterile and boring, uh, which by the way, some qualitative research can be sterile and boring. We've got myself and my partner, Mark Tuggle. Mark kind of keeps us honest <laughs> while I provide a little bit of the entertainment and ask sometimes ask questions that are superfluous to the data gathering, uh, nothing more for entertainment value as well as keeping our guests just a little bit on their toes. So <laughs> it's really important. That's really, I mean, that's key and making it an engaging conversation. So that's a really, it sounds like you have a really nice dynamic with your co-host. Yeah. Balance each other pretty well. When are you anticipating this to air? So it'll air probably late June, early July. And I'll tell you why. So um, as I, I don't know when you, this is the interesting thing too about yeah. You don't know podcasts. when this is going to air. This exactly, could, we could be we could be airing at the same time, Tom. Maybe right. we should coordinate that. Yeah. So what's interesting about it is in the podcast world, you become a master of time and space, right? <laughs> yeah. Because you can know things before they happen, and that's kind of the other reason we're doing what we're doing is once we interview everybody and we do the study, because we're going to have to do the analysis itself, we will be publishing the findings and report at the same time Uh, as these interviews will then get. So you'll be able to walk through uh, a qualitative experience. And what we're trying to do is bring sort of that academic dryness and rigor to the forefront of say, look, this could be very meaningful. Let's, Let's show you what happens and how these reports get done. And so we're, we're messing with that because by the time we publish everything, we'll know, quote unquote, the answer, right? We'll sure. know what we ended up finding. And so we can obviously play with, like I said, the time and space <laughs> aspect of it, of 
when we actually roll this out. So that's another interesting part about the podcasting world is you do have a little bit control of when we're uh, when things get published. I'll, I'll tell another story. So I, I had an interview, and again, I don't know when you're going to publish this thing, but it, it was yesterday. <laughs> I had a a podcast interview, and the the host says, "Look, this thing is going to come out in July," and because I do things in seasons and this is the topic and, you know, make it conversational. Let's talk about whatever's on your mind. And so that's exactly what I did. And she sent me an email this morning and said, Hey, your thing is going to come out on Friday. Oh, and I said, well, you know, I was like, what did you talk about? Well, I, you know, well, find out Friday. Um, No, (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to tune in. Well, actually it's May 4th. I don't know when this is going to (laughs) air. Yeah, well, exactly. But, but, but what I found interesting was she came to the the conclusion (laughs) that this very conversational, deep discussion we had was more appropriate for what she was doing now than it would be say in June or July or whatever she was having, uh, thinking about the schedule. And so she actually bumped somebody uh, in lieu of that. So again, that's a that's a real world story about how you can use the topic and the timing and what's going on in the world and and be able to make it even more relevant if you're really paying attention to those details. Yeah, you can have some influence over that. And and you have it sounds like you have four episodes recorded currently. And are you targeting eight total? What's the total number? So it's that you're gonna looking be somewhere for? between eight and twelve. And I'll tell you why, because again, as a qualitative researcher, and again, I might get a little geeky, but you, that's okay. You, you can yeah, fast we forward. Can, we got this. this. <laughs> but there's this term in qualitative research called saturation. And all that means is that when I interview the next person with those same six questions, I don't learn anything new. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that that tells me to stop that says, okay, you, you got all, you've got enough, you got enough to bring some material and significant findings to it. And that's somewhere between, you know, depending on how you have structured your research question, which I, I, I said earlier, that's somewhere between eight to 12 episodes. And so I'm not going to, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say this is how many are we're going to publish. I'm just, I'll again, using the time factor, I'll tell you how many will be published after I know how many will be published. <laughs> well, I, I just think that this this whole concept is really fascinating. It's it's gonna really, you know, I, I don't I do not come from the world of research, but it's really cool to allow the listeners a look into the experience of collecting information and delivering, compiling and coming up with your the findings and being able to really be a participant in the entire journey. Yeah. What I picture, if somebody really is interested in this topic, is I picture people listening to the episode with the report in front of them mm-hmm. and then being able to make their own connection as to what that individual is saying and how it influenced the findings. And 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 sort of play along, right? It's you know, it's think of it as uh, the playbill at a, a playbill at a play, yeah. right? Where you know you get to see the actors and what characters they play, what scene they're going to play ahead of time. You know, those that go to the theater you'll, will will recall that you have you know sort of Act One, Act Two, and you have the different subsections in each one, and you can kind of figure out how the story plot 
moves on before it, it, it's it's it'll be interesting again first time maybe it won't be interesting maybe it'll be incredibly boring but um <laughs> i highly doubt it to, we're about to find out so no i think it's going to be fantastic <laughs> i'm really excited and you know this really it it ties in very nicely into the into your business into sales conservatory and what you're doing there tom is really helping organizations and teams from the foundations of sales, like lead generation, all the way through management reporting and and how you're going to um, kind of keep yourself, hold your team accountable and and project for future future sales initiatives. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, your company and yeah, kind of I how do. this all plays together? So, so thank you for the opportunity because, I mean, I think there is some differentiation here. So we are very meticulous and, 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 and rigorous when it comes down to the kind of research that we will accept as research. And that, that, so that's number one. A, a lot of it is actually original research that we do. And from that research, it's not, it's not like a, some kind of you know, intellectual game. We then take that research and turn it to actionable things where our customers and clients prospects can take advantage of uh, in a very real way. And we measure every outcome. Uh, one of the interesting things we end up doing with a lot of the customers is we take a look at, say, you know, soft skills and let, let's just take an example. So things like uh, your, your sales team have a certain amount of soft skills and they, they, they prosecute deals in a certain kind of way. We come back and tell you, let's say you are measuring 20 of them. I come back and tell you, you know, it's really these four that matter. So get rid of the other 16, right? And it's very interesting to watch the, the sort of the instant success that people get because in your gut as a sales rep, you're like, these are the four that I think I should really focus on. But management says, no, 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 you, you have to have all these 20 because we measure these things and we have all this other stuff. And so we bring real information and views and, and a material angle to what it is that you're doing to say, no, no, I think it's really these four. And when they do, you get not only do you get the acceleration of performance, but there's all these other little things that happen, like people are just happier. Yeah. And then they perform better and all this other stuff. And it's just kind of an instant shot in the arm for sales organizations. Uh, talking actually to somebody this morning about that, where, you know, they saw one of our reports and now they want another five uh, of the same kind to, you know, of course, you know, one's good, five must be better. Um, I, I kid a little bit there, but, uh, <laughs> um, but the idea that we're very, very connected we do a lot of research around neuroscience and 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 we're well connected to those that are doing a lot of and again acceptable research that we would take on as opposed to say some of the things that I are more around popular press and um, there's a there's an old uh, joke Stephen Wright who's a very very uh, dry humorist comedian he would say 82.6% of all statistics are made right on the spot <laughs> right, which I think it's funny because it's ironic in the statement. It's kind of funny because uh, it might be true. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I could see too, and I'm I'm sure that you 
that you're experiencing this time and time again is the empowerment and almost affirmation that teams receive because you you touched on something that you know I think there's some, like some gut instinct there like you know you you feel it but it's almost like you need that that reassurance that what you're feeling is accurate yeah i do a lot of speaking when it comes down certainly in all of the podcasts that i've done there i've done a lot of discussion around uh, neuroscience and brain thinking. And I do a lot of diversity, equity, inclusion. I used to do that before it ended up being sort of a mainstream thing. And one of the things that comes up all the time is this idea of unconscious bias. Mm-hmm. And people say, let, let me give you unconscious bias training. I'm going to tell you right now, and I don't want to deflate anybody, but there is no such thing as unconscious bias training. And the reason is there's nothing you can do with your unconscious. What you have to do is you have to move the unconscious to the conscious. Mm-hmm. And then deal with it at that level. That yeah. that's that's the recipe. It's um, the unconscious that's a problem, right? Well, the unconscious is exactly that, the unconscious. And so, mm-hmm. to think that you're going to go into your unconscious to do something is, well, it's 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 shall I say ridiculous? Uh, it's, uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I had another interview that I was talking to, and and I I brought up this uh, interview, other interview that Brene Brown did. And she talks about the fact that she hates that her books are categorized as self-help. Yeah. Because that's an oxymoron. Like if you go to the self-help section of your local bookstore, you're going to find, you know, how to solve your depression or right, something like that. Now, that's ridiculous, right? I mean, <laughs> that's the problem. I mean, you have depression or you have anxiety and I'm you know, I I I don't believe it because I mean I've got my I've got a, my own therapist as well that I like to work through some of these things. But that's exactly what I do, right? I've got somebody to help me to think that I can grab a book and read it and take care of that is 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 ludicrous. And so, going back to your point about the gut instinct is, and to put it more in operational terms, is you want to take that unconscious, right? That gut, right? Let's mm-hmm. that's I'm kind of using those two as, as synonymous. That gut and bring it to the to the conscience and be able to deal with, and that's what our research does. All remember all that stuff you guys were feeling. Well, you're right. That that that's that's actually right. Let me show it on a piece of paper. And once you get it on a piece of paper and you have 18 steps to fix it, now it becomes a completely different opportunity uh, to mm-hmm. actually move the needle as opposed to just walking around with this unconscious thought or feeling that this doesn't feel right. Yeah, and it and it gets people all on the same page too, especially in larger organizations when you have people that are looking at the sales team from various perspectives and maybe different agendas even whether they're vocalizing it or not and to get everyone kind of focused in on the same thing with actual research to support it is really important to move an organization forward. No, you, you make a great point because there is this aspect of synergy that kicks in as well. I've, I've worked with customers that, with by the way, with all good intention here, that's the thing is I don't want to come off as thinking, you know, here I am high and mighty and I know everything that's going on. But I will tell you that one of my little pithy sayings is you can't do your own dental work, right? It's just, it's really hard to have reflective introspective view of what you're doing and be able to fix yourself. You need kind of this outside standard 
to be able to achieve what it is that you're looking for. And when you do, and everyone can see it and go to it, it's amazing to watch the synchronization of effort within an organization with actually very little effort. And I, because I, I, you know, I, 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 I have lots of different stories I can tell you. I had one customer that basically said um, that they did their own research, and the research said this, this follows: that good leaders talk to their people more often than bad leaders. And so their conclusion was: we're going to force the bad leaders to talk to their people more often. <laughs> so I'll let that sit for everybody in the audience. And I said so. And, and, and so they called me, he says, well, you know, can you help me do that? And I said, so let me get this straight. I'm an employee and I've been avoiding my boss who's a jerk. And now you're asking me to talk to that jerk more often. And that will make things better. And that'll make Because it's about better, frequency. Right? It's not right. about the fact that the, that the leader, leader is, is a jerk. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so when I, when I put it that way, like the whole room lit up and they're like, that doesn't sound right. And it's like, it's okay, right? Because you could, you're, you're too close to it. You could see it. Let me help you out. The issue is not frequency, right? The issue is quality of leadership. Let's get these leaders in a position where, because the talking is what I would call the lagging indicator, right? It's like, I am a good leader. And what good leaders do as part of their repertoire is talk to their people more often, as opposed to a, a, what's called the leading indicator, which is, I know. I'll talk to my people and I will become a better leader. Yeah. It sounds silly, but I, you know, there was a real company that wanted to do that. So that's what people like myself and the research and the kind of research that we do and we bring to the table to, to give you that very, what I would call very practical and operational perspective and, 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 and your blind spot. And again, sometimes again, moving that unconscious to the conscious, allowing you to deal with it in a, uh, in a very sort of real cognitive way. Yeah, very productive way. Absolutely. You know, I'd like to just, you had mentioned your experience on going on different various shows and seeing a trend where people were asking questions and maybe similar questions to the to their guests um, time and time again and kind of using that, which you already do when you're doing research. But what what other things have you kind of helped inform the launch of this podcast project as you're going on shows? And, and you may have experienced this. You're a very easy person to talk to and to feel comfortable with. But, but that's, you know, people, not everyone is just so willing and open to share. Have you picked up anything from guesting on shows, just different techniques in trying to ease people into a conversation or has there been any anything that you've gleaned from being a guest on shows that you have been able to use in your podcasting experience yes. one of them here is on display brandy you're a very good host you're 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 also very I, one of the things that i came to conclusion after doing however many i have now done is i didn't at first when i started this this podcasting and you and I talked, they thought, you know, this is a good idea. I mean, you got to try this. And all. But I got to tell you, when I first started, I thought I'll just show up and say my thing and they'll tell me what to do and I'll, you know, <laughs> all that works. And, and hosting and being a host, oh my goodness, is so, so critical 
to the yeah. success and the engagement of a podcast more so than I ever expected. And so I, I, I learned that, right? I learned that. And that's why going back to what, what we're going to end up launching is when I thought that through, I thought, okay, this isn't going to work if it's just me, mm-hmm. what, what it is that I want to do. It's got to be not, not only two people for a different voice, because it makes it a little more interesting too, when you know that kind of thing, but also the role, the roles of what, what, what's going to happen, right? I'm the entertainment factor, Mark's the, 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 the research factor. And when you blend it, it doesn't feel like a research interview, which is what I didn't want it to feel. And yet at the same time, there's some information we need to get to, to complete the, the project. So if, if anyone's out there thinking about doing a, a hosting a podcast, my, my suggestion is go listen to the podcasts that you like most likely because you like the host. The host. Yeah. The, that's the consistency, right? You know, you know, you've got guests and some guests, right? Some I've got podcasts that I like and love and I listen to. And sometimes the guests are great, sometimes they're flat. I mean, let's just let's just be honest here. But mm-hmm. but the host brings you back. Like if you had a guest that was really flat one week, it's not like I'm going to hang up, right? Because I'm going to go back because that host is going to be there. And that host is going to, is going to, is brings me back to the next episode. And, you know, that next uh, guest is, you know, lively and exciting and all that. The other thing I will say too, as much as I like to have, like I said, I have experience, I will say that I behave differently depending on the host. Do you like match their energy or what? Yes. Yes. That's a, that's a great thing. I do match their energy. There were some hosts that were just like, wow, let's just like light up the city with all your energy. <laughs> I don't know if I can keep up. I even said that like, <laughs> in the beginning, like, we're so excited. I'm like, whoa, you know, all this. Like, and I'm like, I hope I can keep up for the half hour to one hour, whatever this is going to be. And then you've got like, you know, thanks for joining us. Question number one. Um, <laughs> and then you're like trying to pump them up. And, and, uh, and, you know, I've had experiences where somebody will like, they'll ask a question and I'll answer it. And somebody will say, Hey, that's great. Question number two, like, just like, like moving on. That was great. Exactly. Like we have, we've got this inventory of questions that we need to get through, (laughs) which by the way, I I laugh because I teach a lot of this, these kind of uh, skills to salespeople because for example, I, I have one when I used to do live training. I might still do live training, but things kind of dried up for the last couple of years, as as everyone knows. And uh, I would have five, uh, four sales reps, and I would like run them through the exercise. And the exercise was: I'm a disgruntled person, and you, and you need to pitch me, and I'm really upset with you, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. And so the first person comes and kind of understands it. And this is where you call feeding the lines back and forth and it kind of lands. And then the second guy shows up and I go, and then this is what really I do is I go, Oh, you know, I pretend there's a knock on the door, like during the, the, the role play. And someone says, Oh, there's somebody out here to see you, Dr. Tonkin. Can you break away from this role play? And I say, sure. I say, look, I, I guys, I need to do this, but you know, I'll bring somebody in to help out. And just to get the, you know, the exercise going. And so this person would come knowing that this is the role play would completely change their persona. <laughs> like they were, they were not the disgruntled person. They were like the happy go lucky. Let's talk about innovative, really cool. <laughs> let's talk about the future. And this rep 
like, I, no, no, I have this PowerPoint. For I'm a disgruntled. And I'm going, and damn it, I'm going to show it to you. <laughs> and and they, they, you could see the, 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 and they're like, no, I don't need to see the PowerPoint. Forget it. I get it. That guy's a real jerk. Let's talk about really cool things. And they're like, no, no, we have to talk about these objections. And they would just, and they would get really, really annoyed. Um, and so I would say to people, I said, am I out of bounds for, for doing this? And they're like, well, no, this actually happens to us all the time. Well, then why aren't we doing it? Then why aren't we preparing for it? Like for real? Yeah. Like I, I threw you a curve. Oh, yeah. I was behind closed doors. Well, you ready to feed me the line that you just heard for the other guy too? I mean, come on. So my, my point is that that's a podcast, right? That's a podcast, a podcast. Interview, right? That's a podcast right there, right? Somebody's got their agenda. The host wants to talk about something. You come in and you're 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 down or you're up or they're down or they're up. What like what's the compatibility between the two? And, and I'm not suggesting that you can avoid this. That's the other thing too. It's not like you can sit there and go, well, uh, please connect me with people that are only you know up or only down or whatever. That's that's silly. What I am suggesting, though, is be prepared. Be prepared on both sides as a host and as a guest. As a host, if you get somebody that's flat, what are you going to do about it? Hmm? Prepare for it. You've got somebody that's super lively and you're flat or you're just, you know, it's been a bad day or whatever. What are you going to do about it? Right? What's your reset button to get things going? And that is another thing I learned. That's probably more common than I thought it would be. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it's really interesting. I used to teach aerobics back in the day, like step aerobics. And like Jane Fonda kind of thing? Yes. Really like, you know, big hair and all that? I didn't have big hair and I didn't have a leotard. It was a little bit, <laughs> it was a little bit past that time. It was like in the late 90s, early 2000s. But you get the picture. But I can say, and I actually have thought about this a lot, like whether I'm the host or I'm a guest on a podcast, depending on the energy and the compatibility is how much energy is zapped from me at the end. Like I remember, and you have probably experienced this with giving talks, teaching. When I was teaching classes, if I had a class that was just super low energy and I just had to give so much more to get them lifted. Like, come on, people. Like, like dragging a boat anchor. Oh, yes. And I would get done with that class and it's like, my goodness, was that an hour or was that five hours? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm an introvert, right? You know, classic introvert, very and people always say, How could you possibly be an introvert? You do all this stuff. And that's like, well, there's a difference, right? So the 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 term introvert and extrovert really is about the it's about recovery, that, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's about energy that you expend. Yes. So you and I are doing this thing and then I'm probably going to put my head in the hole for, you know, a few, excuse me, a few hours after this, because it, I just need the energy and, uh, and, and just sort of recharge alone where extroverts, that's how they charge. Hmm. They charge by interacting with other people. And so they're, you know, they're going to find somebody, somebody else to talk to. And, and, um, and so that plays a factor into that. So when I go and do uh, my, my gig, if you will, as a host, you know, I, I, I better have like, you know, eat my breakfast, get a good night's sleep, you know, get, you know, 
build up all that energy because I'm going to be the one that's going to have to lead the conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that, that plays a factor uh, as well as in, in preparation. I've actually um, really time blocked my days and, and then during the time of day that I have peak energy. So when I'm hosting the show, I'm only allowing one interview per day because I'm with you. Like I'm an introvert and I, and I think that's hard for people again to, to understand, but it, it takes a lot from me. And knowing that having two interviews in a day by that second one, I am toast. I'm just not showing up how I should. Also in the afternoon, I'm an early riser. Like I am most productive in the morning. So as the day progresses, I just, my energy level just sinks. So um, just knowing those things, I think, again, for people that are interested in, in starting a podcast or guesting on a podcast, just knowing when you are going to show up op- optimally and what does your day look? Are you going to be stacked with meetings and then squeeze a podcast interview between 10 different meetings that you have to host? Just considering all of that. I think it's something that going into it, you don't really, you don't really think about. What's the the famous uh, <clears throat> podcaster, the entrepreneur on fire? Oh, yes. Yes. Right. So I've, you know, so I listened to him. Mm-hmm. Apparently he does all of his interviews in one day, like yeah. back to back, like eight, nine of them. Because you imagine? You know, like, oh, I can't. But, but it, it, again, I mean, the, the work, it works because I can't tell. Like when I listen to his episodes, I can't tell <laughs> whether that was number eight of the day or number one of the day. Yeah. Um, so, so again, he does something that works, works for him. John Lee, John Lee, Dumas. John Lee Dumas, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he does a, it's just a fun, and I've seen, I've heard other people that do the same way. And, you know, I, I don't, I mean, this is it for me. I mean, today, today it's, 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 uh, you know, I'll, I'll go do sort of one-on-one deep work thinking kind of stuff, which is really weird enough. It's my, it is my recharge, Yeah. Um, but I won't be talking to anybody else today after this. So it, it is, it is interesting how, how different people operate. I actually interviewed a host last week and he, he gets up at 345 every day and does his podcast interviews at 6am and like every day. And I was just like, what is happening? And he does like, I eat rocks two and three. I do yeah. 250 pound bench press and, you know, <laughs> and I go, you know, yeah, you yes. have all of the morning ritual people out there that do that. So I got bless him. I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing. It was, I was reading or listening to it's uh who is it that wakes up? It's, it's at three forty-five. I, I like Jeff Bezos or yeah, one of those. One of, the, one of those. One of those. They, they keep stuck, which was interesting because I've done research there. Right, you start talking about it, and it's those two are kind of non sequiturs because it's really about the order of what you do, not when you do it. Yeah, interesting. I I yeah. didn't tell tell us tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so. Again, everything I touch and see and feel, it always turns into a project from my head. Yeah. Um, I probably have more research projects that I haven't published than I have published. But that was one of them. I thought, you know, you, you think about, you read these things, Tim Ferriss, you know, you read all of these types of books and stuff that says, 
get up early in the morning and get the work done and, you know, all this other stuff. And like you said, you know, eat rocks and, you know, push cars <laughs> across the parking lot. and whatever Dip yourself else. into freezing cold water. Right, exactly. Right. All this other stuff. And that's the only way. And of course, I thought to myself, really, is that the only way? And so, you know, with a little bit of research and time, and I found out that it wasn't really about the 3.30 or the 6 in the morning or everything, but it was really about a couple of things. Number one, it was the order that you did things. And so let's say your 3.45 is actually 8 in the morning. Okay, well, then what are you going to do starting there? Hmm? So that's that's part of it. The other thing are the external influences that you have to deal with that are out of your control that you have to fit. Uh, it's kind of like the the premise really comes from Stephen Covey's Big Rocks uh, paradigm, where there are things that are like they would, he would say, you know, put the big rocks, which are the important things in your life. Unfortunately, some of those rocks could be small, but unmovable. Like if you have to pick up children. Right. You have to pick up children. You have to pick up children. Yeah. It's not like you can call the school and say, you know, you don't fit my morning routine. <laughs> this isn't <laughs> working for me today. This isn't, it's no, not no, working no. Figure it so out. Can you just do something different for me? <laughs> so so those are not mean, you know, picking up your kids. I mean, obviously, it's important because that's the way they're going to get home. But it's not like life changing <laughs> when you pick up your kids. Right. right. It's just something you have to do. But they it can't move. You just have to go get them. And that's it. That's the end of that. So then what is it that you're going to do? To surround yourself uh, with the, you know, the time and the ability of the things you have to do. So it's really about those two things, right? It's the order in what you do, uh, followed by not necessarily those big rocks, but maybe those needed or necessary immovable rocks. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they create a routine around around that. And, you know, I have, I've done that again. I mean, you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, time you should, you should publish because I'm pretty like I'm kind of weird about like productivity and got, you know, apps and writing and journaling and all this other stuff. And I've, I've many people have encouraged me to say, well, we know you should probably publish something about it. It's like, no, no, no. It works for me. Yeah. It works for me. By no means do I think what I do works for somebody else. Um, and that's why I have sort of these in another researcher term meta models. Mm-hmm. So it's a model about a model. Mm-hmm. So, for example, now, you know, Brandy or anybody that's listening, right, figure out your order, figure out those unmovable rocks and now create whatever works for you. Maybe the 345 does work for you, but there was no influence on whether waking up early equated to being successful. That's an, another weird morning routine is uh, I studied was um, what's it, uh, Mark Wahlberg. So Mark Wahlberg, the the actor, oh my goodness, is like, you know, gets up at 245. Yeah, he's he's know, an interesting a, like, study, right? right? But he also yeah, is a, like highly supported. Yeah. And there's another thing. Or like, for example, like like The Rock, right? Dwayne Johnson. I don't know if anyone knows this, but he travels with his own workout uh gym. Hmm. Takes it so all with him. Takes it all with him. Like when you see him in like social media with him working out and chains around his neck or whatever that, that whole thing is actually in a big semi truck that travels with him everywhere. Wow. And the reason he does that, he basically said, look, it's because he used to go to the sort of the local gym 
and do his thing. But it just became, you know, oh, it's the rock. Take a picture, selfie. You know, he, he can't sit there and focus. And so the only way he was able to solve this is, and by the way, he has multiple one of those. Like he's got four, four sets. My gosh. Like it's 45,000 pounds worth of weights, um, you know, all this other stuff. So, I, you know, some of that is the people don't, don't pick up on that. Right. It's like, you know, it's high, you know, it's like highly supported. Like, like Oh, look, he's always working at, well, that's because it's he's got literally outside trucks. the door, of, you know, <laughs> wherever he might be. <laughs> Somebody cooking him meals. And, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the it's, perfect calorie intake to his body and blah, blah, blah. And all this other stuff. So, and, and by the way, you, you can't, uh, you can't blame that because, this is another study I did. <laughs> so the thing that I talk a lot about, especially with salespeople, but this applies to anybody, and that's why I wanted to talk about the story is, is um, there, there was an article uh, coming out of Georgetown called The Corporate Athlete. Hmm. And so uh, it, I equated that entire story and did a little study on the, like if you take a football player, and here, I'm, you know, I don't know if this is an international podcast, but here in the U.S., uh, football seasons, you know, fall, winter the sport it's usually played on Sundays uh, now they playing in all sorts of times but it's usually played on Sundays it's once a week and what happens is the, the game takes place on Sunday and then on Monday there's resting and then on Tuesday there's maybe a debrief and a recap Wednesday is like a walkthrough maybe some time in the gym and then Thursday they get strategy on Friday it's like final walkthrough Saturday might be travel and rest and then Sunday you play well the corporate athlete plays the game every day. Play the game every day. Like, I thought, do you imagine if a football player, with the amount of physicality that the game requires, played the game every day? I just wouldn't make it by Wednesday. They'd be, they'd be toast. They'd be toast, yeah. broken, tired. So then the question that came up to mind is like, okay, what are those things? What's the Monday through Saturday that we should exercise with? Like getting exercise in, eating well, sleeping well, like your meeting or your podcast or whatever is going to be better if you had good sleep the night before. Mm -hmm. So do you do those things? I, do you eat well? I mean, do you imagine? I mean, a football player couldn't like play on Sunday and then eat crap the entire week, right? Not yeah. sleep all this other stuff and this and, and play at some peak performance on Sunday. You know, are you planning? Are you executing? You know, all of these. And again, what is it good for you? What's, what's good for you? What's your thing that you need to do and, and think of it as being a corporate athlete. And so yeah. I, I start working with people about not necessarily the thing they do, which is what everybody think coaches should be doing. Like, like if I'm an executive, show me really cool executive things to do. Like, well, how about if we make what you do better? Yes. Yeah. What's like, already working for you? Already, let's yeah. just, let's just tweak that. Or, you know, it's like, you know, and people say, well, I go to sleep at 11 with my, you know, iPhone glued to my forehead. And then I wake up at four in the morning and eat rocks and I'm ready. You know, it's like, hold on a second. How, what, what was that? Was it four hours worth, five hours worth of sleep? <laughs> Yeah. How about if we get like seven or eight hours worth of sleep and don't change anything else? Right? <laughs> and people do that a week and like, wow, that was amazing. I was so alive and well, and you're such a great coach. I'm like, I don't know about that, but um, you know, 
something. And again, that's that that's the whole premise of doing your own dental work. You just you can't see those things. Right? You just or or you believe the myths or the lies that come through. You know what I would call sort of faux uh, faux, faux research. You go or somebody say, else's experience. I want to like like Elon Musk, right? I mean that guy. If I did what that guy did, I'd be dead. I just, just no yeah. doubt about it, right? He was sleeping under the, you know, he would sleep in the Tesla factory and sleep underneath his desk and all this. And, he's, and he basically tells people, if you don't do that, you'll never be successful. Okay, dude, maybe we're not, you know. And what is success? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah there's I mean, a that's whole a whole other, other thing, right? Yes. I mean, oh. it's all, it's so interesting. I kind of think, I love that you brought this topic up because I have talked to many people about this, that you can't. Because I, I also think it's anxiety provoking for people when they read a book and somebody's telling them what they do as a routine that works for them. And, you know, this is what you need to do. It's the same thing with parenting books. I tell people, you know, they're like, what parenting books should I read and buy? And I'm like, none of them, none of them. They will all cause you to have anxiety and to feel like a failure because your experience is going to be different than anyone else's. And anyone who thinks that they can just tell you how to live your life and it's going to make you great is feeding you full of bullcrap. Well, and, and, you know, and, and unfortunately they, you know, they, they get very wealthy from doing that. I they mean, sure do. They you know, sure I, do. you know, that's one of the top three, by the way, one of the top three book categories. Parenting. As, no. Uh, self oh, self-help. Oh Yeah. Yes. Right. That's that makes the most revenue. And so what happens is somebody wants to be published and they, you know, have one of three items um, that they can they can write about to 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 entice the agent, the book agent publisher to take your book on. And self-help is one of the top. And so people say, well, what do you know a lot? Well, I'm actually a pretty good parent. So off you go and you write a parenting book. So, um, yes. Yes. It's, yeah. Uh, it, it's don't don't do that uh, there. I mean, there's things to learn from. Like I said, it's the the meta model, which means, you know, the model of the model. Like mm -hmm. what's the thing that works for Elon Musk that if you were to abstract away from would help you? Sure. Right. And and and, and do, do that sleeping under your desk. No, that's not the thing. But what does sleeping under your desk mean for him? For him is. He's reduced his commute. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So is that something I could do? I'll give you I'll give you a good example right now. It happened today. I have taken advantage of the pandemic thing to now make it a point that all my grocery shopping gets delivered to me. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you my uh, my mind's blown yeah. by that little thing. The time saver. Oh my goodness. I ran, I had a little timer again, right? This research guy, sorry, but <laughs> I ran my timer on my phone for a week. The amount of time I spent driving to the grocery store, looking for the thing that we all needed and driving back and then picking up laundry and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, all right. Something's got to change. Yeah. yeah. And because the pandemic has made some of this stuff more acceptable. Hmm. That's it. I don't. I don't set foot in the grocery store anymore. It's a game changer. Yep. Definitely. And, and mine, 
time you, you save. So that's my point, right? You take a look at someone like an Elon Musk or whatever and say, what's the thing abstract it away and say, what's that person doing? Well, that person in that, you know, that point is now, you know, cause it's in California, right? He had to commute to his house. There's, you know, two, three, four hours of commute. Yeah. Now I just sleep under my desk and I'm ready to go. And people are like, oh, I got to sleep under. No, no, no. What you need to do is dump the unusable time in yeah. your life. Reduce <laughs> the commute time a bit yep. if you can. Yep. Oh, Tom, this has been so great. Um, and speaking of groceries, I, I like to just close out each interview with a random question. And today, so we have our Kitcaster team meeting every Wednesday, and we usually do just a random question, icebreaker question. And we had to make it kind of quick today. So today's question was, and is to you, tortilla chips, round, triangles, or strips? What's your go-to? Big big triangles. Big triangles. All right. Yeah. Why? Because I can put a lot of stuff on it. Yes. The tortilla chip is a vehicle. It is. it is not the meal. No, you're not going to stuff on it. You're not crunching plain tortilla chips on it no, on the no, daily. It's just wasted carbs with no taste. Wasted, exactly. So yeah. make the vehicle as big as possible. Okay, I think that most of the Kitcaster team was aligned. We had the we had a couple rounds and we had one strip, but most people were full triangle. So full big triangle. Good company. Everybody else is wrong. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for being a guest on Hosted. This is, has been a fantastic conversation. And for those of you who are listening, and this is, it is May 4th, and Tom will likely be launching the performance show around July, I'm going to say. Let's say July. I'll give you a little bit of time here. But when you do, we'll make sure if you're following Hosted on all the social channels, we'll make sure and and announce that when it does go live and maybe we can time this episode so it's launched around around the same ish time so thanks so much for taking the time being a guest on the show thank you all for tuning in and having a listen to tom and we will catch you all next time thank you so much for tuning in to hosted a podcast brought to you by kitcaster a podcast booking agency If you want to find out more about Kitcaster, about Hosted, find us on all of the relevant social channels and tune in to more episodes of Hosted. Take care.